We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You both. Yes, Devin Wade with you for another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us for yet another edition of the podcast quarantine style. This is another quarantined edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad you're here. I hope that you are well. I hope everybody's well. I know that here in Houston, we are faring well and well, relatively well. Now, that was for the folks who are not ill, uh, but deaths uh, in comparison to other metropolitan areas around the country, we're doing fantastic. And I want to give all the credit in the world to Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner and Harris County County Commissioner Lena Hidalgo. They have done a great job. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about things in and around the world of sports. And before I tell you what's coming up, I want to remind you to go to the wadeswordproductions.com website. Check us out. All things Devin Wade. And I have some fun stuff coming up. So you definitely want to check that out coming up maybe next week. Next week on the website. And I'll send out an email. If you have not registered for the email, go to the wadeswordproductions.com website and hit subscribe. And get on the email list and you will get an email from the gang telling you what's coming up on the on the website and what's going on with the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, the Friday Express, some other stuff that I'm working on. And that's the stuff that I'm hint, hint talking about. Also, I uh, want to remind you, the sports line open 24 hours a day at 832 one six six one four that's eight three two nine four one six six one four well coming up we are going to get into some headlines we are going to talk a little bit about the nfl draft coming up a little bit later we'll talk about some transactions in and around the nfl comments from deandre hopkins some baseball stuff uh some documentary stuff um in the second half of the show we are going to hear from uh we're gonna not just talk sports we're gonna hear from Chef Tim. Chef Tim is going to tell us all about being a chef and actually being an on-air personality KTSU 90.9, talking a little bit of jazz, a lot more about the world of cooking. Uh, and I started this because in quarantine with nothing really going on in the world of sports, a relatively little going on in the world of sports, which by the way, will be in the midst of the NBA playoffs. With that going on, um, I had to do something. So I wanted to throw in some interesting conversations. We talked about some acting and some theater stuff last time out. This time we're going to talk about some cooking so i hope you're hungry i hope maybe i hope you're not hungry or maybe yeah i hope you haven't prepared dinner yet maybe he can help you some of his tips will help you a little bit but again i want to remind you also the facebook sports talk with devin wade page and group on facebook and on twitter at wade's words so with all of that let's get into some headlines in headlines, only a few things that we could talk about in the world of sports uh, that are, I mean, we can get into the minutia of sports, but I don't know if we want to do that. I'm not going to do a lot of that. Uh, the few things that we'll go get into that might be a little bit minor, but of course, the number one story is the NFL draft because we don't know when we will get started again. And I'll tell you, this will be the most covered draft because there's nothing else around the country for people to talk about. So everybody will be into the draft. Here in Houston, we don't have the Houston team. The Houston franchise does not have a first-round draft pick, so not much happening uh, tonight. It'll be tomorrow and Saturday when you'll start to see the Houston Texans uh, get active, unless they have some ridiculous trade that'll get them in the first round. And I dread to think of what they would be give, willing to give up for a, <laughs> a first-round pick. If you give up a second-round draft pick for Brandon Cooks, what would you give up for first? Probably Deshaun Watson. And we well, I feel like that shoe is gonna drop someday. I feel like that this is how that this is not gonna end well. And it's not gonna end well with Deshaun Watson in Houston with Bill O'Brien. That's just how I feel. But still, we don't know a lot in the world of sports. And we we got into this a little bit on KTSU Sports Talk, not knowing when people will feel comfortable. And as I look around, and I said this to Haywood, and I thought April 1st would be the day. But it really was around April 16th when some of these governors 
And some of these people started to protest and say, no, we want to open up the city. We want to open up the, 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 the stores and the, we want to open up the country again. And all of the, I don't know where these folks are coming from. Obviously, they don't know how to read books. Because if you, and look, let me say this. I don't want to be insensitive to those folks who really are struggling and don't know where the next meal is going to come from. But to think that we can get right back out here and live life as usual with some kind of quasi social distancing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous to think that without a vaccine, without reliable, consistent treatment, nothing has changed, y'all. Nothing has, I mean, obviously people are broke. All of that stuff, all that pressure they're giving uh, these states to open back up, they should be putting on the federal government to say, hey, we need more stimulus money. Other countries are taking care of their folks for months. And it's our money. And, of course, it, as soon as things get going back, that money will get spent. And the government will get theirs. They'll always get theirs. That's not the issue. So I think that they're, they're wanting to open up the country is misguided when we know that social distancing has worked. I mean, some of the stuff that I see is is so demoralizing to realize how 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 either evil people are, because you have a lot of really really rich people, business owners, who want people to get out there and risk their lives to make them money. That's the evil dark component of this. The other one is that people just they're just dumb. They ignore science. They think everything is a conspiracy. They think everything is a conspiracy. You know who should think everything is a conspiracy? Black people. <laughs> we have enough evidence throughout history to show that there is fire behind all, all, all the smoke of a lot of theories. So I'll say this again. Protect yourselves at all times and do what you have to do to see about you as my phone goes off. I have to turn that off. But do what you have to do to protect you because now you can start to hear the narrative shift. It's going from, oh, we as government officials have to protect the people. Now they're going to put the onus back on you. So if you get corona, it's your fault. And, and say if you have to go back to work and you don't feel comfortable going back to work, their people are going to either lose their jobs or have to go into situations they don't feel comfortable going into and people are going to get sick. And unfortunately, I suspect that people are going to die. Nothing has changed. Nothing. <laughs> the, the, they what, what the, there's been a drop off. There's a drop off primarily because it's social distancing. We don't have enough testing. So again, this has nothing to do with sports, but it has to do with lives. And I care about you guys. And I know that I'm preaching to the choir in many of these cases. And to, to many of you, you are right on board. And I understand it's hard for me. I don't have the desperation that some people have when it comes to needing their money now. And I understand it. And there's no way to pretend to understand that. But if we can make it through and do what we're supposed to do, we have a lot better chance of everybody living. So, I mean, again, what is an acceptable death rate? Dan Patrick, Lieutenant Governor of Texas, said there's more important things than living. Okay? I can't think of one. I cannot think of one. Now, are there things I'm willing to die for? Family? To protect the country? I'm willing to protect the country from outside forces, and I'm getting a little old for that. I mean, it, we would have to, we would really need like a, just a, a, a all out and out Hitler <laughs> before, but, but to lay my life on the line for my, my family, that's worth dying for me protecting their lives may be more important than my life. My, I'm talking about my nieces and nephews, Nep well, my niece and nephews. And so from that standpoint, but they're more important things than living. Nah. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. Don't let them trick you guys. Don't let them create a level of comfort. And I give credit to the city of Houston, uh, Sylvester Turner, uh, Lena Hidalgo, the folks in, in Fort Bend County that have been doing a really good job. Uh, now, we have a mandatory mask thing in Harris County. I'm not in Harris County, but I'm in Harris County uh, for a lot of, I mean, I go KTSUs in, in Harris County, Houston. So mandatory mask for 30 days trying to get my hands on more masks or some custom masks, but it's something that we have to do. I don't feel comfortable. I don't, I don't feel comfortable.
So again, I you know you've heard me talk about this on the podcast. So I've been a little bit under the weather since January with some respiratory stuff that's lingered and asthma and all that kind of stuff. So I don't need to have any of that. But more importantly, none of us need to take unnecessary chances. Atlanta, it, I mean Georgia, it's just ridiculous, and it it really illustrates how important it is that we get out and we vote for the people who have our best interests at heart because you have folks that will watch you and 10 people just like you die so they can make money. But we, we can't fall for that. We have to protect ourselves. And I think it's 195 days until the election. Now that I am willing to risk it for. If I have to go in a biohazardous suit to the polls, I'm going. And I want y'all to go too. Because something has to change because this is insane what's going on here. It is insane. We have a vocal minority who are uneducated, who don't believe in science, who don't care about their lives or the lives of others. And, and I understand people say, well, if, I, if I'm willing to risk my life, okay, well, if you're willing to risk your life, you risk your life. The problem with this illness is you can get it, be asymptomatic, and give it to somebody who is not trying to die and kill them. And you keep on right on going with your life. It's a Mr. Magoo type thing. You want to do something stupid, but the consequences may be inflicted on somebody who doesn't have anything to do with that. So that's just my take on that. And I think it's important. You know, and I, I don't want to get too, too deep. I've gotten deep into it, but these things are important. And it's worth talking about. It's worth pointing out. So that is that. Please protect yourselves. Please listen to science. Seek out your own information. It's out there. Don't just depend on your homeboys from, you know, on Facebook. Don't, you can't get it from one news source. Look around. Take in as much as you can take in, but you have to learn to protect yourselves because there's people out here that are not trying to protect us. So with that, well, let's talk a little bit about some sports stuff. Biggest story is Rob Gronkowski coming out of retirement, going to Tampa, uh, they give up a fourth-round draft pick for him. And many people think the reuniting of Brady and Gronkowski, just, it just makes them shoe-ins to win that division and go to the Super Bowl. Not so fast, Grasshopper. I don't, I don't believe in Tom Brady. And now we get to have the debate. And Kevin and I, Kevin Allen, the Silver Fox, and I uh, have already started this. And maybe you have as well. Who was more important, Belichick or Brady? We'll find out. I think it's unfair on Brady's behalf because he's at the end of his career. Belichick can coach for 20 more years. Now, this year, I think it's hard to say he's going to have a better year. I'll defer to you guys. You give me a call, 832-941-6614. Tell me who you think is going to have a better year. I still think it's a trash division that New England's in, but I know nothing about the quarterback. Other than I believe that Bill Belichick can get him in order. We'll see what happens with the draft and other moves they can make. But I just, you know, it, it's tough. They didn't have people in the skill position to get the job done. And then Brady wanted out. And Brady wanted out apparently before uh, the start of the 2019 season. I think New England has some challenges, but they have a better division, an uh, easier division. Miami, with all the draft picks, they're not ready yet. They may jump up and do something next. Buffalo may win that division. Buffalo could win that division. That's the team to watch in that division. But until you beat New England in that division, then, you know, then you'll prove something to me. Until then, uh, I'm not so sure. Uh, but so we'll have to watch that division. I think when you look at Tampa and their division, a lot tougher. A lot tougher division uh, because you're looking at a situation where uh, you have New Orleans. You have Atlanta. People keep sleeping on Atlanta. Atlanta can get this thing turned around. They're really going to have to be better on defense, but they do add Todd Gurley. If he can give them what he gave the Rams two years ago, that's a team that could be back in the Super Bowl hunt. This team is not that many years removed from being in the Super Bowl. So there's still vital pieces there. I mean, obviously a lot of turnover, but there's still pieces there, including Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. Uh, so you you have uh, you have some pieces there. The explosive offense. So I mean, New Orleans is tough. Carolina, I don't know what Carolina's going to do. I'm not believing in Carolina yet, but we'll see what Teddy Bridgewater is able to get done for them. You have Christian McCaffrey, uh, and he signed his big deal. So 
there's that. So, and I think the NFC is tough. You have San Francisco, Seattle, Arizona may be a tough team to be be there. Green Bay is the team you got to watch out for. Minnesota can turn it on. So I think the NFC is tough. I think obviously in the AFC is Kansas City and Kansas City, and we'll see whoever else in the AFC. AFC is kind of wide open. You know the Texans. I do not believe in the Texans. So. Kansas City, and we'll see who else. We'll see who else jumps up in the AFC. So that happened. NFL draft is happening. I think we will take a look at uh, what, to me, I want to see where Tua goes. There'll be several guys from the greater Houston area that'll get drafted tonight. That'll be fun to watch. And uh, well, it'll be fun to see how this technology will work with everybody in virtual isolation. And, of course, I'm rooting a little bit for something to get screwed up. Just a little bit. Just for Roger Goodell. I, well, not 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 as much as I root for other things to go wrong for Roger Goodell, but yeah, I'm rooting for him to have some sort of problem, some sort of problem. But they've been practicing and working out the kinks, so we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins made comments in Sports Illustrated this week talking about there was no relationship with Bill O'Brien. Now, what does that say? What does that say about whom? I mean, it's all on Bill O'Brien. I mean, and, and I think that this is a great message to send out to potential free agents. Now, again, at the end of the day, money talks and walks. They, they're going to want to get paid. They don't care what DeAndre Hopkins went through. They, you know, they'll say, hey, he'll be different with me. But I think that's a message to other free agents and other people. Like, this is not the organization you want to be a part of. And, again, if guys are saying stuff like this, He's not the first one. He's not the first one to be critical of the organization. I think, again, that is a sign to free agents that this is not a good, good deal. Uh, the other thing, the Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Now, with this captive audience, a lot of people are watching this. And I, you, I have to remind myself all the time that there are people who are alive that don't remember. They do not remember when Jordan played basketball, won those championships. I was around. I, I actually had a chance to be in the post-game interview with Jordan in the locker room in 96, I believe. I think it was 96 that that happened. And I tell you what, I mean, whenever he's been around, I got pictures on my Instagram from the Final Four. When he comes around, I was at the hotel when he came for the All-Star game. Been around Jordan a little bit, and it's like nothing else. Only other person I saw get that kind of love, Magic Johnson. Now, that was back then. Now, I don't know if that demographic is aged out, but when Magic walked into a room full of celebrities and athletes and superstars and all pros, everybody took notice uh, of Magic Johnson. I don't know if he still carries that uh, like he did. But, I mean, Jordan, same thing. Everything kind of, there's a, there's a, a, a rumbling. Everything kind of stops. It's kind of crazy because, again, you're around a lot of athletes. And you get some of that to some degree with all athletes, especially in football, basketball. But yeah, there are certain athletes. When, when you're out and about in, in public and they're around, it's a different energy. It's something different there. And you see that with Jordan. But as far as the documentary, I will say this. I was sick of the Bulls then. And I want so bad to continue to have a discussion of 94. Because, look, 95, he'd come back. And you say, well, he had an abbreviated season. He was there for the playoffs. Was there for the, for the playoffs. Did not get to the NBA Finals, where the Rockets defended their title against Orlando. Swept them in four games. 94, he was all playing baseball. Okay. But I still think that Rockets team would have beat them. 94 team. You talk about a team where Vernon Maxwell was prominent on that team. Guards were playing well. Nobody could stop Dream. And, yeah, they would have fouled him. They had a lot of fouls. Luke Longley and all those guys. I think Luke Longley was the in the 94. It might have been Weddington still. I don't think it was Cartwright. It might have been Cartwright. I don't know if it, I don't think it was Cartwright. But whatever that bigs, I have to go back and look at that bigs. But I, I have had this discussion through the years many, many times. But if you are not familiar with Jordan or if you just love Jordan, this is for you. I will watch it because it's sort of required watching. For me, I am not a big Bulls fan of, of that era. But it's amazing to watch him play. I mean, he's undeniable. And he has to be in the discussion of greatest players all time. I think the consensus from people who are not 
who have not lived through generations of basketball is that he's the guy. It's clear that he's, to me, there's no debate between him and LeBron at all. And I say your debate needs to be between Kobe and LeBron. That's a, the discussion you guys can have. And, and you can argue. I've held, had that argument. You guys can go to the side and argue about that. I'm not going to argue LeBron versus Michael Jordan. This guy never went to a game seven in the NBA Finals. Only a game six. He's, he was amazing. He was amazing. The other thing, and I ask you guys about this on the sports line uh, to comment. I watched, well, this what, this is what prompted Jackie Robinson Day. And I rewatched the, the Jackie Robinson documentary. It was a great documentary. And it was two parts. And it was just amazing to see what he had to endure. And a level of appreciation, again, washed over me in getting lost in that documentary about how great the sacrifice was and how what a hero he really was and is. And so I asked people about their most inspirational athlete. What athlete inspired you? And I don't mean in athletic endeavors. And I'll still take calls on this. 832-941-6614. I'll still take calls on this one. But even outside of sports, what athlete inspired you to do the most? I mean, I remember when Jewish Foreman came back. And won the heavyweight championship of the world. You had all these guys, middle-aged guys, saying, you know what? If Big George can turn it around and do what he did, I can turn my life around. A lot of guys went out and exercised or chased some dreams that they that lay dormant. Whatever. They, you know, a lot of folks woke up and were inspired by that. For me personally, and, and a lot of people for social issues, Ali was a guy that they a lot of people pointed to uh, that inspired them. I, for me personally, it was a guy named Evander Holyfield. And I'll tell you what, I was around him more than any other championship boxer. He trained here in Houston. He was a part-time Houstonian for many years during his career, his boxing career. He would be down here. He would work out all over the city, different couple different places. He worked at different gyms. I saw him for the first time. I was in high school, and he worked out at a gym not far from uh, from our school, my high school, and I, I was able to see him. This is before he was even a champion. This was after the Olympics, but before he won a championship. And then I got a chance to really cover him. Went to, to cover a fight, watched him, interviewed him many times. He did a drop for me when he was heavyweight champ of the world. He was training here. Tommy Hearns was there. He was being trained by Emmanuel Stewart, and he did a drop for me. And that was a really big, big deal for me at the time. He said, this is heavyweight champion of the world, Evander Holyfield. When I'm in Houston, I listen to Devin Wade. I have to find that somewhere, and I'll play that. But I, he inspired me because everything I ever saw him do was about work. I mean, you talk about work, work, work. I mean, you got guys that, that talk about work, but they do Instagram videos of them doing work. <laughs> but I'm saying, this guy didn't, no cameras. He wasn't seeking attention. I mean, his practice, his uh, his workout was started at six in the morning on some of some of the workouts. They had different schedules for different times when he uh, trained for different fights. But one particular morning, it was still dark outside, so five thirty, six o'clock. It was really early, and he just you just watch him in his solitude work, and, and he took a handful of vitamins and supplements, and just to me, the guy was a blown up light heavyweight, and to go on and do what he did and be in discussion as a top ten, top fifteen heavyweight of all time, I think the guy, I mean, and just adversity didn't affect him. He was not scared of anybody ever ever but just the work man and, and just think of how much work he put in it inspires you to go out and say you know what let me grind it out i know jerry rice was like that but i was not as much of a jerry rice fan because i was i was an oiler fan i interviewed jerry later on in life but evander is a guy that just and you think about that work and that you fighting against a guy six four six five and he's you know well i guess he's at six feet but just a tough tough dude and just all heart more more heart than skill and just a, a guy that was a tremendous performer i love the way he fought i love the way he fought back i love the way he was never intimidated by anybody including mike tyson and my happiest moment in sports is watching him beat mike tyson because they had a lot of money on it. that and sugar ray beating herms uh Hagler rather i think sugar ray beating Hagler meant more but right behind that was Holyfield beating Tyson. So I want to get your thoughts on that. So it's time. I guess we'll wrap this part up. And I want to go into uh, We the People segment. Oh, 
For more content, go to WaysWordProductions.com. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, we go to you guys either on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page or group on Facebook or on the website, WaysWordProductions.com, or, and most frequently, we get your voices and we get to hear from you directly on the sports line, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade sports line, 24 hours a day, 832-941-6614. Just leave a message and we'll try to work you into the episode. Let's see what we have up first. Well, my comment was about my Muhammad Ali, who had to be one of the most inspirational athletes in my life during that time in the 60s when I first discovered Cassius Clay, who later on became Muhammad Ali. There was a movement going on in America. And young black men really didn't have any outspoken, courageous guys who could who could speak and speak with convictions and without fear. I have followed him Throughout his career, he was a great influence and opened up my mind on a lot of things that I never thought about until I started traveling and uh, and reading more. And I think he was an inspiration for me to read more. But I was in the uh, I was on San Jacinto Street when he uh, when they tried to induct him into the service. And I'm a veteran myself, but even then, I was in '67, about two years before I went in. At that time, I didn't even understand what he was really talking about, about you going and fight for somebody that hates you and all the, all this other stuff that was, uh, you know, was going on during that time. But I vote for Muhammad Ali, especially among young black men. Cause I think it's kind of degressed to Michael Jordan, LeBron James. I say LeBron James more of an advocate than, uh, than Michael ever was. But Muhammad Ali sacrificed a lot for what he believed in, for his people. He wasn't a materialistic bump and glitter, had to be to have the flashy thing going for him. He just was a real brother, and he spoke his mind. And I think that's about all I got to say. My name is Jesse Moore. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mr. Moore, for your phone call. And that's the kind of content, that's the kind of call I really, really appreciate giving us a historical perspective, a unique perspective. And, I mean, everybody's you know, take is unique. But, I mean, from a historical standpoint, what Ali meant to him at the time in his youth, I think that was extremely important. My man Wayne DeHart checked in as well, and he said uh, Ali was his guy as well. One thing that stood out with Mr. Moore's comments, he talked about how he was not a flashy guy. And if you think about this, as flashy as he was with his mouth and as charismatic as Ali was, he was not materialistic. So what Floyd, and I just it just came to mind in hearing those comments, when you think about Floyd Mayweather, he emulates Ali, but it's all about the materialism. And Ali was not that. And you, it's, it's the most flamboyant uh, sports personality we've ever seen in the history of the world. I mean, we've never seen somebody as charismatic and flamboyant and as powerful and as uh, as has had the ability to connect with more people than Muhammad Ali. And when you think about it, he was not a flashy guy. He was about the people and his flash just came about talking about himself. It's the bravado about uh, all about him. But I think man, wonderful, wonderful comment. I also want to mention again, ESPN had a day of boxing and I watched all, I mean, I watched it all day. So I watched all three Frazier Ali fights and I watched one and three more. But just unbelievable. It just shows you what we're lacking in the sport of boxing these days. Just unbelievable fights. And a couple things stood out to me. And, I, you know, we may be able to get into that a little bit later on in a different episode. But I really want to get into boxing one of these days. But um, Because I love to talk about boxing. There's nothing like a big-time uh, boxing event in my life. I mean, nothing. Nothing. nothing Super Bowl, NBA, nothing compares to a big fight with quality heavyweights. More than any, any other any other category, heavyweights. But let's see what we have next. Hey, what's up, Devin? This is Yell. You know, I'm calling to talk about uh, the Christian McCaffrey contract. And, uh, you know, I definitely agree. He deserved to get paid. I mean, anybody who touched the ball 400 times should get paid. 
But because another running back, Derrick Henry, didn't get paid and instead got franchised, you know, a lot of people are comparing the two and discussing who's more valuable to the team. And in my opinion, I just I just think Derrick Henry is a lot more valuable. I get, you know, Christian McCaffrey r- brings more value with his catching ability. But, you know, there are a lot of other running backs that can catch too, you know, whether you're talking about Kamara, Saquon, Dalvin Cook, or even Austin Eckler, some of those, uh, you know, second string running backs. You can get receiving production out of those guys. And also, I mean, just to be fair, you can get receiving production out of receivers, man. But guys like Derrick Henry, you know, there's just not a lot of guys like like him. And, uh, I mean, you got a defensive end at running back. The only other guy that may even come close to that is, like, Latavius Murray, but just can't teach 6'3", 6'4", and 250 pounds. You know, and a lot of people are talking about, well, you know, this is a passing league. Well, you know, and I agree. I mean, it is a passing league, but because it is, a lot of teams – are wanting to go to, you know, that nickel or dime look on defense or sub one of the linebackers out for those hybrid uh, safety-type linebackers. And I think Derrick Henry just makes that a lot harder to do because, you know, you don't want corners or safeties trying to tackle this guy. And, you know, I, I think he really would open up the field. You know, I think the Titans aren't the perfect team for him. I mean, if you put him on a team like the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Texans, with those receivers and quarterbacks that can really take the top off the defense, uh, I think Derrick Henry just brings so much more value. Thanks, E.L. We certainly appreciate hearing from you anytime you check in. want to remind folks you can chime in anytime you like at 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And let me say this. When you talk a little bit about Derrick Henry, he's a throwback. He is like those '70s running backs and those '80s running backs, the Eric Dickersons, the all of the the you, guy. He reminds me of a little bit uh, of is Chris Warren. Well, you know, you, he'll fall forward for six yards, but he is man. When he gets going, he is a beast. The problem is his shelf life is a lot shorter, and you know the NFL doesn't value that position anymore unless you multifaceted. And even you saw Gurley get all of that money and just fell off. And obviously injuries played a part in that, but how much can you depend on Derrick Henry to keep that that pace up to be the most dominant guy the way he was at the end of games? If he can, he'll probably get franchised again, or he'll he will get a better deal at some point. But the shelf life is just not that long. You look at McCaffrey; I think it's a three-year difference. McCaffrey's twenty-three, Henry's twenty-six, and just the the kind of bruising running runner he is, and he's huge. Uh, it's just I don't. It, it just seems like yeah, it's not gonna last long. And I, as much as I enjoyed him and watching his dominance in the postseason and against the Texans at the end of the regular season, it, that guy just he's amazing. It, but how much can he keep that up? We just don't know. And I don't think smart money will be in his favor. So with that, gonna wrap up the first half of the show. When we come back on the other side, the not just sports talk side of things, as I welcome Chef Tim and uh, we'll have a conversation. And this is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. 7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams.
Welcome back to Sports Talk Death Way Podcast. A little soul to soul for you. Our guy, Chili Bill Smith, on the mix. And if you have some music you want played on the podcast, be sure to send it to us. All you have to do is email us at music at wadeswordproductions.com. All of the, as long as it's radio edit, the genre doesn't matter. We've played so many different types of a, a variety uh, varieties of music. So we don't have a problem playing any music. We want it to be radio edit, and we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an extended portion of a mix. If you're a DJ and you mix, we'll play an extended portion of the mix at the end or an entire track at the end. So uh, all you have to do, email us. It's music at waysworthproductions.com. Coming up now, you know, again, with the, the quarantine and sports really not going on, it doesn't look like a lot of sports are going to happen anytime soon. Maybe we're looking at July at the earliest. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen here. I know a lot of people are pressing, like I said earlier, pressing for this thing to get going. But until it does, hey, we uh, have to keep it going here. And I haven't been doing uh, podcasts as frequently, and I think we will with draft coming up. And I'll have more to say as we start to crank this thing back up. But I wanted to do something that is not just sports talk. Since we just cannot, just, I could just try and just rake through whatever to to come up with enough sports content instead i said well you know i'm going to talk to some interesting people and an interesting person that i know is chef tim chef tim is on air personality at my very own at the flagship ktsu he plays jazz serving up jazz to you uh four nights a week doing his thing and he's also like a real chef and so i had a chance to talk to him about some cooking stuff so hopefully you will find this very very interesting he's a he's a good dude and a, a very knowledgeable guy so we hope that you find interest in this not just sports talk portion of the podcast first and foremost thank you for joining me and i oh. wanted to talk to you about cooking and being an actual chef the reason why this is interesting to me is because a i fancy myself a a amateur amateur chef (laughs) but beyond that i think we've seen a lot of people have shortcomings because now they've been dependent on themselves to cook what have you heard from folks during this uh, this quarantine about having to cook for themselves um funny you should ask you know that the first the first week, especially, everybody ran to the grocery stores and they wiped out all of the canned goods, all of the box goods, all of the non-perishable items. You know, you're hard-pressed to find a can of corn. You're hard-pressed to find a, a bag of flour. And uh, the biggest issue is they don't know what to do with, you know, a can of corn or a can of green beans. So I think that fitting for this whole COVID-19 deal and the stay-at-home deal is, and, and I call it think out of the can. Everybody says in life you got to think out of the box. Well, my whole platform is think out of the can. Don't look at a can of corn as just a can of corn. So I, I think there's more interest right now in what do you do with the basics and non-perishables than if I was to talk about how do you make lavender chicken. When what I found out when I went to the grocery store, people were buying pieces of meat that I know they didn't know how to cook <laughs> regularly. I think people have gotten out of the element. If you have the availability to get essentials, what would you recommend? Say a family of four. What what things would you go for first as staples if you don't want to go to the grocery store more than once every couple of weeks? So you're talking about, uh, you know, meats or, or whatever uh, you think people may need to sort of uh, sustain themselves for a couple of weeks and, and really maybe add some variety. I think the first thing is, you know, you've got to have some kind of protein in your diet. And, you know, like you said, meat, uh, a lot of times meat is hard to come by. So I would start with uh, protein substitutes like all different kinds of beans. Now, again, people were wiping out everything that was non-perishable. But, you know, getting bags, whether it's pinto beans or lentils or split peas or navy beans, you know, uh, getting those things, uh, first of all, they're healthy. It's also they're filling. They're filling without the cholesterol. Beans and legumes are protein without the cholesterol, and that's the negative part of meat. Not that all meat is bad. So I would definitely get a bunch of dry beans, dry legumes, whether they're lima beans, you know, that whole thing. Um, I would make sure I got, you know, I got rice. 
you know, so these things, they're filling. You can be creative with just the just the ingredients that you have in your house. You know, I mean, everybody's got some type of dry spices. Most people have a can of like either diced tomatoes or, you know, the, the tomatoes and green chilies. Um, you know, you've got condiments in your refrigerator that you might only have a little bit left in a jar or a bottle. And you can start being created by adding flavor to, um, you know, to a lot of these dry goods that you can cook. They're less expensive, they're uh, healthy, and you get good yield. So that 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 would be my first recommendation. Let me ask you about going down the spice aisle. Now, everybody has salt and pepper, and we would, I would assume, maybe garlic powder. What are some of the other spices, one or two or three other spices that people should just keep in their, in their spice uh, cabinet? That's a great question. I think uh, the first one I think of is, is Italian seasoning. It's a blend of dry herbs. It's got uh, basil, oregano, thyme, and sometimes it's got rosemary in there. But it's, it's a really nice flavor agent, and it's not expensive. You know, it's not one of those that costs a whole bunch, um, and you don't have to use it just for Italian food. It's a blend of spices. So that's that's a really good one. One that we really like is garlic and herb seasoning. There's a couple companies that put it out. It's a no-salt garlic and herb seasoning, and most of them actually call it that. Of course, without naming brands or whatever, uh, there's about three or four companies that that make it. And it's the same thing. You get that garlic flavor, um, you know, but you also get a little bit of herb flavor in it. So that's a really good one. I think chili powder, uh, chili powder and cumin are are really good flavor agents. So those are four right off the bat that, I mean, I always have. Now, I want to ask you about you as a chef and and actually cooking, because there's an art to it. And... For me, I do it sort of as a hobby, so I don't have to do it all of the time. So when I do it, I usually have the luxury of maybe having a a glass of wine and maybe setting the ambiance for cooking. (laughs) But for you, do you still find the, the joy and the creativity of being a chef when you have to do it all the time? Yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, you know, right now, I think that, you know, the whole world being stuck at home and kind of rethinking, reinventing uh, the life wheel, if you will. I'll give you an example is um, I got fresh corn the other day and I, uh, I cut the corn kernels off of the cob and I made corn broth out of that. I made corn corn broth. What the heck is that? Well, you have chicken broth and vegetable broth and seafood broth. I made corn broth out of the corn cobs. And just now today for a client, I'm making uh, corn and crab bisque, all because I didn't throw out the cobs after I cut the kernel off. So I still get excited about making things. I had never made corn broth before. Never. And I've been doing this 46 years. Now, let me ask you about, okay, the tie-in between you as an aficionado of of jazz and as a chef. Elements of creativity, obviously, in both. Uh, How does one play into the other? I mean, what do you get from jazz? Is there any similarity in how you relate to cooking and the world of jazz in which you you dwell so, uh, so well? Yeah, it's well, I mean, you know, my show is called Cooking Up Jazz with Chef Tim. And on my Facebook page, DJ Chef Tim, I put a recipe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and I broadcast it over the over the radio waves. It's the same, you know, it's it's innovation. Um, You know, it's improvisation. I mean, jazz is all about improv. And, you know, to be creative with your food uh, is is that's what makes it fun. You know, when I when I teach a recipe or I teach a class, I say, go home, cook the recipes exactly the way that you did it here, because, you know, it works and, you know, you like the flavor. And then the next time you make it, change it up the way you want. You want to add a little jalapeno to make it spicy. You want to add a little basil to make it more flavorful. So, you know, it's 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 improvisation. And that's all, you know, that's what jazz is. And that's what cooking is. Now, let me ask you one or two more things before we let you get out of here. Uh, cheeses. I, I'm a. I, I eat a lot of cheese, and I'm from goat cheese to uh, Gruyere to all the different types of cheese. Give me some good cheeses. Give me some recommendation for good cheeses, especially if you're gonna make something simple like maybe dress up a, a grilled cheese sandwich or something. 
Well, you know, you said Gruyere, and a lot of people say, what the heck is Gruyere? Gruyere is basically a Swiss cheese. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, the staples that can really make things creative, even something like macaroni and cheese, if, it, you know, all these people, like I said, everybody went out and got all the dry goods. So Kraft macaroni and cheese, Velveeta macaroni and cheese, all that, you can change those up a bit by just adding a little mozzarella, a little shredded cheddar cheese, and Parmesan cheese. Those three, I think, can make a difference in omelets. They can make a difference in salads. They can make a difference in, like I said, just if you take macaroni and cheese out of the box. Um, you know, so those three cheeses, they're very basic, but they all have three different flavor profiles. And especially when you mix them together, they really have a nice flavor to them. Cheddar, uh, uh, cheddar, Swiss, and uh, I mean, I'm sorry, cheddar, mozzarella, and uh, and Parmesan. Now, I want to ask you now, uh, th there's a boom in uh, different types of oils, grapeseed oil, um, coconut oil, avocado oil. Is that underrated, overrated, or for the most part, you, you should stay away from the different types of infused well, oils? That's 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 a great question. Um, I when I'm just heating up, if I'm if I'm uh, cooking, uh, you know, onion, you know, mirepoix, which sounds fancy. You start most all soups and sauces with a mirepoix, which is diced onion, carrot and celery. And so when I start mine, I started with either vegetable oil or a little bit of canola oil, you know, because they don't have flavor. You don't really want to do it with olive oil, although I love cooking with olive oil. But when you're just getting things started and sauteed to get they're they're called the aromatics, onion, garlic, uh, you know, celery and carrot. And so when you get those started, you want something that doesn't have a flavor. Grapeseed oil, the reason people are buying grapeseed oil, and it's it's considerably more expensive, but it has a high smoking point, a high burn point. So you can, you know, a lot of people, they crank it up. They don't realize that you have to moderate your your uh, your heat and your flame. And so grapeseed oil doesn't smoke, um, you know, fast as all the other uh, oils. But I think the, the, the oils you should have in your house is are either vegetable or canola and olive oil. And for olive oil, I wouldn't get extra virgin olive oil. I would just get 100% olive oil. Extra virgin olive oil, is, is a, it's got a very grassy, young flavor to it. It's great in salads. It's great in things that you don't cook. Um, but it, it really has a bitter taste when you cook with extra virgin olive oil. So the three I would recommend is either you know, vegetable or canola. They're interchangeable. And 100% olive oil. Now, final question before we let you get out of here. What's a, a quick and simple, easy meal that uh, sort of a, a chef can make and your everyday cook can make? What, what's something easy that you would recommend as a nice little sort of uh, sort of a departure from the ordinary, but still relatively easy for the amateur chef? Oh, man, um, that's a great question. Uh, uh, I, you know, one thing I didn't put in there as far as staples is, you know, always have some type of pasta, you know, um, and and so I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to say, you know, a pasta dish, no matter whether you have spaghetti or capellini, you know, the long pastas or bow ties or or, or elbow macaroni, you know, it, it's all pasta. And I think the creative thing is that you can take anything out of your fridge. You've got something. If you have a can of black beans and you're like, ah, you know, I don't want black beans, you can drain the black beans and put some of those into pasta. You can go into your fridge and you got maybe a, uh, you know, a, a piece of an onion, uh, a piece of a carrot. You know, with pasta, you can put almost anything into it. And, um, I, I just think that's the fastest way to make something that's filling. It's it's quite healthy and it's going to be really flavorful. And and again, you don't have to go out and get anything. You've got some dry spices. You got different you know different items in your refrigerator that you might only have part of a bottle of you know some type of uh, some type of sauce. Uh, just be creative with it and have fun right you know what i think is the most underrated thing are capers capers are really vastly underrated i know they have a, only a specific use but man i i really love capers people have slept on capers forever and kalamata olives too 
Those those yeah. are two things that I think are, are really slept on. <laughs> well, so so let me so let me tell you. Uh, just the other day, uh, you know, Kim, my beautiful bride, she likes on weekends once in a while to have um, you know smoked salmon on a bagel, smoked salmon cream cheese on a bagel. Well, you know, when you serve smoked salmon or lox in a fancy way, like on a silver tray, to you know, when you have a fancy uh, event or something, the condiments are. Uh, capers, finely diced tomato, and finely diced red onion. And so what I do is I dice all, I dice the onion, dice the tomato, and I put them in a mixing bowl, and I put the capers in with them, and I put them on top of the cream cheese on top of the bagel so it's easy to eat instead of sliced tomatoes and stuff. But you're right, capers are, uh, you know, of course, they're in a brine, they're pickled, um, but you can use those in a lot of different ways. You can add them to tartar sauce. You can add them to, again, that, that's, a, that's a really great thing to make uh, a Mediterranean pasta dish out. Of, especially when you mentioned the Kalamata olives too. Yeah, well, hey man, like like I said, I'm playing at. I'm putting a few pictures up on Instagram of my avocado toast. I found an angle in which I could take a really good picture to present my food to the world. Not that I do that often, but I've done that a couple of times. Hey, Chef, uh, I certainly appreciate the time. How can folks uh, hear you and reach out to you on social media? Well, I'm going to tell you that, and I'm going to give your listeners a tip. When you use dry seasoning, there's two things you want to do. You want to crush them up in your fingers. Don't just pour them from the bottle. Crush them in your fingers because that brings out more of that, that flavor. Otherwise, it's just dry, leafy stuff. And the other thing is you put it into when you're sauteing your vegetables or you're sauteing your chicken. Don't put it into the liquid. Like if you're making a soup or you're making a sauce, don't dump the dry spices right into any kind of liquid. You you need to cook it into whatever you're, you're cooking before you put the liquid. And how they can reach me is uh, my my, my Facebook page is DJ Chef Tim or hashtag Cooking Up Jazz and also Houston Chef Network. Hey, well, that is wonderful, man. And like I said, you've given me some things to think about and some things that I can apply to my my fledgling cooking skill, culinary skills. So, yeah, I'm working on that, but I certainly appreciate the time. And I really, I, we talk about music all the time. This is the first time we've had a conversation about actually uh, you, what you do. <laughs> I know. I, I know that. And it's, it's been a pleasure. And once again, you know, jazz and cooking, I mean, I'm blessed to be able to have Cooking Up Jazz with Chef Tim. You know, improvisation and, uh, you know, and, and creativity without either one of those. You couldn't have good cooking, and you couldn't have good jazz. No doubt about it. You said it best. Hey, man, thank you so much. We certainly appreciate it. All right, man. Devin, great talking to you. want to thank our guy, Chef Tim, for the conversation. And you can give me your feedback by calling me at 832-941-6614. Or you can email me, Devin, at wadeswordproductions.com. That's Devin, D-E-V-A-N, at wadeswordproductions.com. So uh, with that, I want to get to a segment that we call the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck. But I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont War goes to the big dummy of the episode. And, of course, with not a lot going on in the world of sports, we ventured out. Last time it was Playboy Cardi. This time it's Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Now, let me tell you, Dan Patrick was a sportscaster here in Houston for many years. And I want to say he owned a bar. Or he, he, worked, he worked closely with a bar. He was I always had promotions at a bar or something. He was really a clownish kind of guy when he was a sportscaster here. So somewhere along the way, he tuned he got locked into a, a bunch of psychos here in Texas and he's one lieutenant governor here in Texas. That's his position. And he's already said some stuff about Old people should just take a chance. And, you know, I, I talked to a guy who said, hey, you know, I, w I would rather die than, than you know, so, so my child, my grandchild could have a better America. Whatever. I'm paraphrasing. But here's what he said the other day. And I mentioned it earlier in the episode. But he said, and quote, and what I said when I was with you that night, there are more important things than living. And that's saving this country for my children and my grandchildren and saving this country for all of us. That's what he said Monday night. <laughs> so he said that there are more important things than living. Okay. You tell people who have lost loved ones. I've lost both my parents in recent years. Most important thing is, is life. 
There's nothing more important than life. There's nothing I wouldn't give to have a conversation with my mother or my father again. And, and of course, so many people who are dying untimely deaths, young people. We had a four-year-old die. So when you talk about gambling, if it was just going to be the sick and the elderly and they wanted to take a chance, that's one thing. But this is an indiscriminate disease. And even though people are recovering, we're finding residual effects, heart issues, kidney issues. We don't know what this thing is. And every time, every day we open our eyes, life is a gamble. But there's some smart gambles and there's some dumb gambles. And it's not time to gamble, not over money. Now, what we do know is that the infrastructure is in place for the American economy to rebound at some point. We, we're not going to go back to soup kitchens once everything is opened back up. But if you lose a million people, if you lose two, three million people who have died of this, that is a lot harder to come back from. So whatever you feel about your life, I mean, think about this. There are people who battle with suicide and depression. You don't need that message out in the atmosphere. You don't need that. That's, that's crazy. There's nothing more important than life. And that's what everybody should be fighting for, life. So at the appropriate time, it, whenever everybody goes back out, it's going to be a gamble. Let's just make it a, let's put the odds more in our favor, in life's favor. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's insulting. It's crazy. I would never have believed that this would be the kind of talk we would have from somebody who's in a position of leadership. That's why I tell you, 195 days till election day, keep that in mind. But until then, forever, forever, ever, ever for this statement, Dan Patrick, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> there's not much you can say about that i mean i it's so ridiculous i shouldn't get worked up about it because it's so outlandish but there are people who listen to this and again people can go out and say well i'll, I'll take my chance on living and dying but you what'll happen is there'll be people forced to go back to work who's not who don't want to take that gamble, who don't want to take that risk, who are in high risk groups. They don't want to take those chances. You know, those people can end up getting sick from people who are brave, who are who are taking their chances, who are gambling with their lives. The person, the the mayor of Las Vegas is just as big an idiot. You don't want to risk your life. You, I bet you stay in a gated community somewhere. Ask Dan Patrick about how much gambling he wants to do. How many guns you think he has? So He's so brave about Corona with everybody else's life. How many guns do you have? How many gated communities? How much security do you have around you? Why don't you take a gamble? It's more important things than living Dan Patrick. But nonetheless, let me get off of this because I, I get upset about this because, I mean, that's not what we are taught about the, the value and the beauty of a human life. But with that, before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys for tuning in and give us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. 832-941-6614. Looking forward to the draft tonight. 195 days to election day. Uh, sports talk on Saturday. I mean, I'm hitting them all back to back. It's like bam, 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 bam. We out of here. Hey, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of chili, Bill Smith. Uh, but as always, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. Uh -huh.